Welcome to 10 Minutes, a breakout investor podcast. Today, we are talking about Dimacor, ticker DMIFF with Florian Buschek, Mark Gomes, Aaron Warwick, and Brad Stevenson. First, a disclaimer. No one on this call is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. Before investing in any company stock, you must do your own research. Supporting materials for today's discussion will be posted on the Breakout Investors Discussion app, which is located at app.breakoutinvestors.com. The application and much of the research content is free. After registering and logging in, use the search bar at the top right of any page. Type in the ticker and the results will give you a link to the research post with this podcast and to other discussion research related to today's company. Now on to our topic, Dimacore. Florian, this is one that you've been very excited about. I understand it's one of your biggest positions, if not the biggest. Why don't you uh, get us started talking about Dimacore? Yes, indeed. It's by far my largest position. It's about five times larger than number two for me. So I've been buying uh, some time ago. The stock has doubled in the meantime, but I still uh, like it very much as my largest position. So Dimecore is a South African diamond miner, and they are located mm-hmm. next to a very large De Beers field. They are also collaborating with De Beers, and they are within the same fence. So security, all that stuff that is taking care of infrastructure. There are no issues with COVID because all the people working there literally live inside the fence. And the nice thing about Dimecore is that the diamond sector is heating up um, pricing-wise. And they are, after long delays, finally getting started. So what is really interesting is that it's very hard to get actually to proper information. So you really need to have to talk to the CEO to to be able to actually model the economics, um, which I have done. And what it tells me is running a few different scenarios. I come up with probably a share price between 50 cents and a dollar in, let's say, six to 12 months. And that's based on simply simply going from trial production to sort of normal operations. And then there's there's much further upside on, on top of that. The model scales very well. Fixed costs. Okay, so Florian, larger. here's my here's my problem with Dimacore. Um, and that is it's not a real problem with the company. But since you first started talking about it, I was looking to get in and you know, you said that it's double, that's like in a month. And so I'm looking at you know, 12 cents thinking, okay, there's not a lot of volume. I'm not sure. Maybe some of the guys are buying that you've talked to about this. And so I don't want to, and next thing I know it's 24 cents, you know, I think it closed at 21 today. So that's been my biggest problem is just, I didn't act soon enough. I should have got in uh, back at 12 cents and it just keeps going up on me. And I'm, I'm waiting for a little bit, bit of a pullback to get back in or to get in, I yeah. should say, not back in. Yeah. I mean, you know, a pullback could happen. What is necessary to remember is a lot of the stock is in very strong hands, more than 60%. These are people that have held the stock all the way down from basically a dollar. So they are not selling just because they are now from down 80% to down whatever, 70% or so. And if I think about it, um, my minimum target is basically 50 cents. So that's, again, two and a half X upside from here. And why do you say that six to 12 months? Uh, that is just a time frame, basically, which the CEO gave for doubling production. So the, it should ha- they should be run rate wise there in weeks, basically. So but until the market recognizes it, Florian, that's what I actually want to ask you about, which is how how can we 
believe the market to be this inefficient. You describe Dimacor as a company that literally is scooping uh, rocks uh, with uh, embedded diamonds out of the ground. They're in production. They're selling these things. They're going to be uh, a, a cash flow pot. Or they're going to be profitable, yeah. is what you said. The question is, why is this so cheap? What is the yeah, how, how, how in the world do we across the world find this thing and, and believe ourselves yeah. that uh, I, the, the market doesn't see what we see? Yeah, I would argue two things. Number one, terrible past. Terrible past. They have messed up um, their operations. The stock is illiquid. It has been on a downtrend forever. And it's a tiny obscure mining company. So who knows something about, about diamond mining? Probably nobody. You look at the financials, they look terrible because you have them only until December. It looks really terrible. And then you go to the homepage, there's not even presentation. You cannot figure out the economics. You cannot do it unless you have, have been really, really digging, have talked to the CEO. So there's 20 to 30 people in the world that actually can model this out. And, and how did you find it? And how did you get comfortable that you're one of the few people that can model it out? I found it first on LD Micro last year in December. And after I took an initial small position and after talking to the CEO for more than two hours, um, I knew everything there is to know. So who's the seller? Who's the, who's the dummy that uh, is allowing you to pick them off like this? Uh, I know there has been one big uh, Chinese seller in the past. It's a high net worth. It has been a high net worth individual who usually deals with very large deals, like billion dollar deals. So it's sort of pennies for her. Um, but I kind of think that this seller has been exhausted by now. If, uh, if, it's some, if it's somebody who's sophisticated who normally does bigger deals, how did that person get into this, this company? How she got in? Yeah, what's she doing here? If, if this isn't the right kind of investment for her and she'll sell at ridiculous prices to get out of it. Oh, just as part of the initial of the initial financing. I mean, some of these institutions got in at 80 cents. So, so it's possible. I mean, I don't know how things work in China, but th th this could be part of a tax strategy, uh, uh, mining the losses. And yeah, yeah, for sure. So I know for a fact she has been in Canada for quite a while, but returned by now to China. And um, she had a lot of money to spread. <laughs> she basically told her broker to sell down. And well, that's, that's what he did. And you started buying at eight cents, and the Zarin said that it's at twenty-two cents now. Yep, that's correct. And what is what are we talking about? About six weeks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I you see, if I would if I would have done that, my wife would expect a, a new diamond ring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I should mention there's any time the possibility that they find a diamond, a very large diamond that is about the current market cap. It's not likely, but it could happen. But they won't dividend it out, probably. <laughs> This is Mark Ohm speaking. Is there anything that you've seen that can give us full confidence that this land has a kind of diamonds uh, that you know that can produce this, this this profitability and opportunity? Yeah, sure. I mean, the past they they had uh, diamond sales in the past with very high quality diamonds and with very very good pricing. Right, and that was the past. What what tells us you know that this is going to continue in the future? I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything about diamonds, so I know the De Beers land is nearby, but um, there's always something nearby, something on the edge, right? Like uh, there are oil patches that lead into patches that don't have oil. So um, you know what tells us that this, this is a fertile ground uh, uh, full of been, diamonds. 
yeah, there has been a scoping study um, a few years okay. back, not a full uh, feasibility study because doing that would be far too expensive and nobody really does that in diamond mining. And this deposit is basically has been yeah, a million years or so ago, the top of the DBS deposit. And that's why it is so well known and such an easy to mine deposit. Yeah, on your question, Great. Mark, if you go to the company's website, there's, uh, there's a 60 page report, which includes summaries of geological surveys on the site, I think going back to 1984. So it has been a known deposit for some time. And the more interesting question is how did it end up in the hands of Dimac? DBS sold it in the financial crisis because it was a non-core asset. It's rather small for, in terms of the measures of DBS and uh, DBS needed cash at that coming due and they sold everything that was non-core back then. Yeah, they, they, they focused on those things that they had the most confidence in relative to where they were going with their business. This fell outside that, uh, that asset list uh, and Dimacor bought it. Uh, and as Florian said, uh, they, they put some good money down on it uh, and it's just taken a long time to get into production. And if oh, Florian's yeah, just, right- Just permitting uh, it would be more expensive than the current market cap. Right, what is the current market cap? 11, 12, $13 million, something like that? Yeah, fully diluted, it's about 25 million, I think, 25 to 30 million, but basic, maybe 20. Florian, when are we gonna, when, when are we gonna get the next piece of news from this company on whether or not they're pulling lucrative diamonds out of the ground? I am expecting it every day now. So in June, they should have a big diamond sale in Dubai, and I'm expecting news every day now. In June, we've got two more days, one more day of June. Yeah, the, the sale happens in June when the PR comes I don't know for sure. Maybe in the beginning of July. That's 10 minutes. Thank you, Florian. Thank you, guys. We are Breakout Investors. This podcast is meant as an easy on-ramp to understanding today's company and the research and collaboration we do. Please join us for discussion on this podcast and for other breakout ideas on our platform at app.breakoutinvestors.com. Neither Breakout Investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty, express or implied, as the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including respect to direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. The views on this podcast expressed are those of the speaker and not Breakout Investors. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. Thank you for listening.